Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Time Out podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. I've been telling you guys for months now about the drills on the Dr. Dish blog. If you know most kids these days, they're not looking at blogs. They're looking at TikTok and Instagram, which is why we've created now some drills for both of those platforms. So if you're not following Dr. Dish on Instagram and TikTok, check those out. Each week we post between two and three drills for you and your team to use, whether it's an individual workout, small group workout, or team shooting drills. You can find those there at the Dr. Dish account on TikTok and Instagram. Great to have joining us today, Brooklyn Nets radio analyst, Tim Capstraw. Tim, thanks for making the time to come on the show. Ah, great to be here. And it's interesting because you just mentioned Dr. Dish and I steal your drills all the time. I have a daughter that plays in high school. She's going to go to Yale next year and play. And uh, I I appreciate all the knowledge and all the all the adjustments and different things you can create uh, with with the work that you do with Dr. Dish. There's a lot of radio analysts, television podcasts. It seems just about anybody can get on a podcast or platform and break games down, even if all they've ever been is a fan. But your basketball experience is quite a bit more extensive than that. Can you kind of talk about where you've been and, and kind of how you got to there with the Nets? I coached at uh, at Siena College. I was an assistant coach in, in the late 80s, and we had a great team. And then uh, because of that, I was able to beat the youngest head coach in the country the following year at Wagner College. They're low division one, but I went to school there. So it was like I knew everybody. That's how I got my foot in the door there rooting for me. And I was a pretty good coach for a while. I got pretty good players. And uh, then I wasn't. And, that, you know, I was good. I hung in there for about 10 years. And and uh, I was, you know, I, I actually, now I look back at I had these unbelievable assistant coaches. I had this guy, Jim Angles, who's now the coach of uh, Columbia. Matt mm-hmm. Brady, who coached at James Madison Maris. He's a Maryland assistant, is a brilliant coach. Another guy, Jerry Burns, up at Monroe Junior College had uh, 800 wins. And if I had just let them coach more, if I had just shut up and done the press conferences and all that kind of stuff, we would have, we would have maybe hung in there a little bit longer, but I had some success for a while. And then I was like a guy who stayed at the party too long. And, and I, and I love to tell you, I got a bad deal and my athletic director's a jerk. I, I don't feel that way at all. I got a fair deal and uh, 10 years as a division one head coach. I was the youngest one hired and probably the youngest one fired after 10 years. So it was a good run, but uh, it also allowed me because I was in New York uh, to get on some TV shows and stuff like that. And people said, you know, you're full of crap. You'd probably be a really good broadcaster, you know, (laughs) kind of like what I said to you about your voice. You have an unbelievable voice. You'll be an amazing broadcaster. Uh, if you, well, you are, you are right now doing this, these kind of things. So then I've been with the Brooklyn Nets for 20 years, just out of sure, you know how you just get lucky sometimes? Like I was scrambling around and I'm talking about not a big name coach. So I wasn't going to get ESPN, uh, Fox, whatever uh, games for a college. I was Wagner College, you know, low division one. You know, you play in the Northeast Conference, you go get beat up by Syracuse and get money and stuff like that. You know, I was one of those guys. But uh, weird things happened. Different people helped me out and there was an opening for a radio job. And I still do college. I did a game last night. I did Wagner versus Bryant last night. And, and but, but I've done 1,667 games in a row. For, never missed a game for 20 years. And I got the, a little COVID pressure on me right now. I'm, I, I make sure I'm masked up pretty well, so I don't want to miss. But that's kind of my background. And uh, because I have again have a daughter that was playing, I, I thought I had a rejuvenated interest in basketball. That's 
like all the guys that listen to this pod, podcast. And I can tell you, I, I have fast draw. I, 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 I draw plays and I don't have a team. You know what I mean? So I have fast draw. I listen to you. I love when you Randy Sherman is somebody I've contacted in the past. Uh, you've mentioned like Doug Brotherton and I, I know all these guys work. So I'm a huge fan and it's funny how, but if you keep up with it, I think it makes you a better broadcaster because you end up teaching the game at, at, at a way that's more updated. You know, when you're a little older, you want to be in tune with everything. So that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah. It seemed to work out pretty well for you. Yeah. It's it pretty darn good, man. Yeah, Lucky guy, out. man. So how, how do you prepare for a game? I mean, is it anything like what you did back when you coached? Nah, well, not really. I mean, I watch the games and I watch what's going on, but if I make things too complex, my job is to see something and then make it easy for the person listening to comprehend what's going on. If I'm going to be so cute about everything and detailed and all over the really great broadcasters and probably coaches, know how, well, definitely coaches, know how to make complicated things sound simple. And that's what I need to do or be entertaining along the way, tell a joke, have a quote to go with it, use words. And I think this matters in coaching too. You know, like when you rhyme words, you know, like, uh, or you have your, 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 your verbiage, your vocabulary becomes part of your coaching. Well, that becomes part of my, you know, a rack attack. Well, that sounds really good. Paint points, alliteration, rhyming quotes that you say over and over again. You ever hear people talk about John Wood and they'll say, you know, he just, they just keep quoting them all the time, all the players that played for him. So these things that you constantly say over and over again become ingrained when you're coaching. I do a little bit of that when you're when you're broadcasting also. Uh, one of those games that you prepared for Wednesday night, a little bit different. You were courtside for Kyrie's return. Any impressions from that game? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's got a lot of talent, you know, like don't 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 overcomplicate things. Now, listen, this is this is a complicated issue. It's different in different states and cities and regulations and people have different feelings. So uh, but from the basketball standpoint, I kind of had a feeling it would be relatively, relatively seamless. I mean, Kevin Durant wants Kyrie Irving out there. There's no doubt about that, you know. And if he wants him out there, he's going to be out there the way he's played and the way he leads and, and James Harden. And, you know, you know, you guys always talk about space, you know, and having space for players to create. Now talk about, I mean, this guy, if he has any kind of space, it's just the play is over. He's going to get to the paint. He's probably either going to score or get another defender with him. That's the, that's what you see in the NBA that maybe doesn't translate as well to a, nor to some high school teams. The offensive capability and the quickness of these guys, they, the, the great ones, can just break down the defense so easy, and that's better than any play you can have. And uh, that's kind of – he was able to kind of hop right in there. I mean, they're not just rolling the balls out. There, there's a lot that goes into everything they do. The NBA is amazing, Tony, as far as the detail, attention to detail. I know people would think, well, they're so great, you don't have to do anything. But there's a lot of things that go along the way. I just said how simple it is that he can beat them. But the details of positioning of your players, the other four players, what went in, what was this, the deception that put them in this position and, and things like that is very detailed. But it was a pretty seamless for Kyrie. But now it gets awkward, right? Because he was really good in Indiana the other night. 
Now we got the Bucks tonight, <laughs> and he doesn't play. And the Spurs, and then he doesn't play. But then you go to Portland on Monday. Then he plays. Then he goes, and it's going to be wild. It's going to be, it's like kind of must, must see TV, you know? Yeah. Beyond the fans' perspective of what you just mentioned there, what changes from either a coaching perspective or just the style in which the team plays when you go from one night having somebody who makes such a big difference? And, and to your point, just the pace that he plays at and the space that he creates. I think a lot of times when people think of a player like that coming back, they think, well, man, that they're going to score a lot more. They have 20 points per game now coming back. But it's to your point, it's the he draws so much attention that it makes the four guys on the floor so much better. But then yeah. you turn around two nights later and now you lose that. How difficult is that going to be both for the coaches as they put together a game plan, but then also for the guys as they, they play without him? Yeah, but I will say this: adaptability has got to, is the key to being an, a coach, right? These days, right, at almost any level, because every team is. I mean, Kyrie Irving might be an extreme case, but let's be honest: everybody's COVID situation is different, game to game. And I've seen Steve Nash, who is just be incredibly adaptable and not be flustered. And he had I, I use this term with him: uh, confidence. He's got a confidence about him that's very smooth and doesn't get flustered. And yet he's coaching and he's very humble also. But it is the Nets go from, they go from having Durant and Harden out there and then three defensive-minded players that create no space really for these guys. But when it's Durant, he can kind of get the spots and shoot over at times. Harden can still make a play. But you see the ease with which it, uh, things occur when they put a Patty Mills on the floor or he comes out because he can shoot. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. Joe Harris, they need him back. But it's, it's, it's hard because not every team is set up game in and game out. And it's, some has to do with Kyrie Irving right now. But it also has to do with, well, the Bucs don't have Pat Connaughton tonight. He's a very, very good floor spacer. I'm not sure what Drew Holiday's status is. There's different players night in and night out. So the adaptability of these coaches is really put to a, put to a test night in and night out with all the testing goes on in the NBA. It, it has been wild the last uh, five, six weeks for all the coaches. Yeah. I'm sure there's all in the back of the minds of everybody, whoever's the healthiest at the end has the best chance. Pretty much, pretty much. But you see these five or six or you know, there's six or eight teams that are really, really playing good basketball. And some have been really surprising and, uh, you know, it's hard to be a college guy or a high school guy and an NBA guy, but I, but I do, uh, I do, I am a proponent of it, man. I, I love it. And I think as much as ever, you know, I learned from you, I, I think the NBA, the attention to detail is really, really impressive in how they do things. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love huddle assist with assist. You get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. You have the opportunity to one night watch one and call a game and then turn around the next night. And besides the 
and changes in talent and size of the players and athleticism. What coaching wise or system wise, what things haven't trickled down yet? And maybe what things could, could coaches at the high school and college level benefit from NBA? Well, I, I think that, uh, first of all, I do think the NBA is naturally a little bit ahead of everybody else. As far as the, if there's something coming to, to, to high school basketball, whether it be, you know, if guys are doing using say ghost screens right now, well, the NBA did that about two or three years ago. So you might be able to get ahead or Spain pick and rolls. Well, that was, you know, I saw Brad Stevens do that about four years ago. You know what I mean? And I'm like, then people start, it's trickling. So you might be able to get a, I don't know. Sometimes you can get ahead or just how they, it's, it is a different game because a lot of it is to create a matchup of a weaker player on a great talent. And then you can just, you can beat them and then create help. But uh, one thing I would say that stands out to me is the confidence with which NBA coaches instill in their players when they, when it comes to shooting, you never hear an NBA coach tell a guy it's a bad shot. You never question that. Or you don't, you, they fill them with incredible confidence. The NBA is loaded with all these 40% three-point shooters, but also the guys that shoot 35%. That, I, I'm always blown away by, there, there really aren't bad shots. They instill confidence. They talk in the community. The, the biggest thing I would learn from them is how direct their communication is. It's never demeaning in any way. Well, you know, because these guys are men. But, you know, we all can learn from that, that they direct, they're organized. It's efficient, everything they do. You go to shoot around, well, there might be a quick video of what's going on. All right, we're going to sit down. Let's watch a little video here quick before it. Then we're going to go out there. Let's let's go through our stuff quick. Boom, boom, boom. Let's get the, and then we'll go through. There's a couple good looks. And they don't overcomplicate it. And then, you know, they get their shots up and stuff like that. They're organized. They're efficient. They're positive and just really, I, I always say this when I hear guys speak, the cream rises too, you know, like the best coaches in the country. There's a reason why they're at Duke in North Carolina and that and different places, you know, they're really good. And same thing with the NBA. These guys communicate unbelievably. And what, getting back to what I was saying before, you know, how you speak to the team, the words you use. I think that is one of the, the best adjustments I've seen in the last 25 years in coaching. When I coached, it was how much fear you could instill into your players. How much of a jerk could you be? How many times could you use F-bombs in a sentence to get your point across? I'm so glad that that's not part of coaching right now. Or, or you know what else? If you were incredibly demonstrative on the sidelines, you felt like you were coaching in 1995. Now... You, you look like you're not poised. You look embarrassing when you, when you rant and rave on the sideline. It is a great adjustment in coaching over the last 25. I was one of those guys. I was a maniac. I was, I'd swear a lot. I'd be this. I was young and I was, in, but I, that's what I was used to. And I'm so glad it's, it's being professional. It's being cool. It's being under control. And it's, it's your communication and being positive that, that it's transformed over the last 25 years. So if you get nothing else out of this pot, you know, uh, out of this podcast, that would be the point. I always try to make the younger coaches that I'm thrilled the way it's, it's changed. And I was probably the poster child for being an idiot, by the way. <laughs> Talking just about like the players, uh, 
you probably get a chance to see from time to time behind the scenes. And I personally think Kevin Durant's the best player on the planet right now. What do people not see from behind the scenes that separates guys like that from the others? Well, watch their pregame workout routine. Watch an M- go to an NBA game an hour early. You want to see the series? You want to see why guys are that good? Watch what they do in a daily routine of shooting. Billy Donovan had a great statement about Kevin Durant the other day. He goes, I've never seen him walk on the court and not take a serious shot. Hmm. Not take a serious shot. You would not believe the details that these guys go there. And honestly, I just see it before the game between the exercises they do with the bands, their strength training they're doing on the side, the meticulous shooting routine that begins with technique shooting that we do, we all did, right? You talk about Joe Harris doing like form shooting right in front of the bat. That's what Kevin Durant takes the simplest shots over and over and over again. And then he makes it more complicated and he puts all these different balance things into it. Where, I don't know if you've seen it, where he spins around one way or he's off balance one leg to the other leg. Then he shoots his 15 footer. And it's just unbelievable how perfectly repetitive it is and how serious these guys are. Sometimes they show Steph Curry messing around at the end. That's the end of his workout. Watch what he did for the first 45 minutes before that. And this is before game. And it it is, it's fascinating to watch the attention to detail of every shot that's taken. Well, they have the advantages of having a lot of coaches, the footwork that's involved in every shot, the, the communication that's involved in every shot they take in, in a, in a pregame warmup. It, it is that, that would shock people that the, the, the amount of details going on right with that. And I w- love watching the other teams that come in to do things and just watch and study. I think uh, coaches would find it. It's just, you know, people think, wow, they roll it out. They're NBA players. I am telling you, they are little corporations that want to be successful. And the coaches know that too. And it is, it is another thing I'll say. And I'm having the, the traveling with the team. Now I don't act like I'm a friend of all these guys at all. You know, I, I kind of have my distance. But you wouldn't believe how well they eat. You know what I mean? Like even nutrition. Like you say, well, these are these guys can mess. The amount of healthy foods that they I see them eat. That again. And they have access to these things that other people don't, but the discipline required for all everything they do in a daily day in and day out would blow you away. As far as you mentioned having players in, anybody stick out routine-wise or anything that you see the work off the court just impressive? Oh, everybody, everybody. But I mean, I I, have, I don't know a player that doesn't. I used to be fascinated by JJ Reddick's workout, though he'd be on other teams and he'd come through and. His thing, I, I couldn't wait to always watch that because that was um, the, the amount of details. And, and again, but it, it isn't just shooting. It's the it's the injury prevention exercises. It's the bands. It's the and, uh, and some of these, yes, you could you have a trainer, but some of them can be duplicated also. And a lot of guys are working with weighted balls and making sure their 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 leg strength is good and their lateral you know, their body and its bands and its strength. And it's, it's the players would learn a lot from that. And so, so would coaches he does, but I I don't know a player that doesn't the the routine prior to an NBA game is, you know, and this isn't the only thing they've done all day. Uh, It's not the only time they train, 
but it, it is the attention to detail is is unbelievable. I'll also say that's what stands out to me. There was a brilliant coach who you guys, I'm sure, are f- familiar with that worked at, with the Nets for a number of years and helped build it. Nets Kenny Atkinson. Talk about a guy that ma- can cr- make players better, and 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 the attention to how how to work out a guy before not just before a game. I've had the pleasure of watching him work with guys. It blows you away how into it he is, how fired up he is. Now he's with Golden State. He'll be a head coach in the NBA again. And, you know, I think I think he was the first guy I heard about this, you know, the idea of vitamins, you know, and you do your daily vitamins. You have your training, the different things you do every day that, that you go through in your routine and you do, you know, 45 minutes or an hour and 10 minutes of, of that. So, uh, again, still really, really impressive people and uh, love watching them work. Most impressive team that you've seen come through so far this year? No, Golden State. Golden State, I can't believe because it's an unbelievable team right now. They they are mount uh, both sides of the floor. Yes, they have star power, but it's more about their connectivity of their entire group of 10, 11, 12 players. I, I, I'm blown away by them, right? And I think there's other, other teams, and that doesn't necessarily mean they win it, win it but seeing them up close. Because I see players that were G League guys finding their role and, and thriving with that team. It's fun to watch. It's a lot like a really good college team to watch right now and uh, an overachieving college team. And, and it's beautiful to watch. And they get another team that gets a player back here pretty soon. So I yeah, be. no, that, that won't hurt. But again, it's, it's the same things we talk about in your, in your, with your teams. It's, it's the close, it's everybody understanding their role, playing together, uh, being okay with the amount of time, rooting for your teammates. They, they have it at an incredibly high level. And um, you know, even a guy like Draymond Green, you know, he could have been on another team and not been somebody what if they tried to make him something he wasn't, might not have been necessarily an NBA player. Now he's kind of changing the game as to this is what you can be. Although he I'd, it'd be hard for him not to stand out the way he does things. Can the Nets win the East without Kyrie? Yeah, they can. They can, but I mean I, I think I, I think they can. And yet uh, I'm really impressed with Milwaukee. Chicago is unbelievably doing an incredible job and uh, there i'm sure there'll be some other teams that step in there and, and, and are a bit of a, a challenge they could but boy the um makes it a, their, their odds increase dramatically to win the east with uh, with Kyrie Irving, obviously i saw some stat it was crazy to me that the three of them have only played together in like 15 games 15 that was their 15th game together that's another reason why the job that steve nash has done is underappreciated Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's real. He's never had this group that everybody talked about, and he's he's really um, he's really done a, a very very good job. Yeah, but when they do play together, their point differential is like plus one fourteen or something like that. Just incredible. Yeah, they had some amazing performance, and even last year in the playoffs, you remember the first two games against Milwaukee. One of the games they won by forty. Then he, Kyrie gets hurt the next game. I don't know if the series could have changed. Though. I think it would have changed anyway. Some. Uh, they can be they they can be special, you know, <laughs> awful special. And they're again they 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 like each other. They play well uh, off each other. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Last question. Assuming that the Nets are in the finals representing the East, who do you have as their Western Conference opponent? I have. Um, I like this. I, I have the Golden. I have the Golden State Warriors. You know, I got to be careful with all these kind of statements. I don't know, but I think the Golden <laughs> State Warriors. Seriously, you get in trouble, you know, but I think Golden State's good. You know, I think, I think again, Clay Thompson coming back and how well they've been even without him 
And I don't know that he'll be the, exactly the same player. But again, I just there's a chemistry, there's an aura. Phoenix has that also, I might add. In mm-hmm. Utah, nobody talks about. And one of these years are going to, you know what I mean? They've been as impressive as anybody. But you, you just kind of, people don't want to believe it in the playoffs. But uh, their time will come. But I, I'd probably go with Golden State. That's Tim Capstraw, Brooklyn Nets radio analyst. That was great insight. I, I really appreciate you giving that. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Tim. Now, I'm a big fan of your work, and I appreciate everything you do. And uh, it's an honor to be on. Thank you. Appreciate it.